Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. We're going to be looking at, like I said, the lost coin. So think of something valuable that you've lost. Just think for a moment. Think of something maybe valuable that you've lost. Maybe car keys. Has anybody ever lost car keys? That is a sinking feeling. Maybe your house keys. Like losing keys is something. What about your driver's license? That also can be very scary to lose your driver's license. Yeah, passport, if you've ever lost a passport. Maybe a wallet or purse. One time, uh, mom was getting in the car. We were just, we put the purse on the, on the top, started up the car and drove off. And then when she got home, she was like, oh no, I lost my purse. Somebody, you know, found her ID and called her number and things and got it back to her. But what about a wedding ring? Have anybody lost a wedding ring? Maybe some, some of you are saying, I've lost my mind. <laughs> we have all probably experienced the idea of losing something valuable. We have one daughter. I know some of you are new, so I'll give you some background. But we have one daughter. She's grown. She's married to Luke. And a, actually, next Sunday will be our granddaughter's one-year birthday. So we're just over the moon. And she's expecting again. So in September, we're going to have our first uh, a grandson. So we're very excited about that. But we had gone one time, I think Judah would have been about seven, six or seven years old. And we went on a sunset cruise at Cape Cod there in Massachusetts. And we realized that she wasn't with her. She wasn't with me. And we were with Sherry's parents. She wasn't with us. And we're on a, on a cruise out into Cape Cod. So we began to get a little panicky and a little bit scared. Then it began to set in the reality of what, what, what could have happened to her. We started to wonder, could she have fallen overboard? To our relief, she came walking up to us. And we were so relieved. And so we asked her where she was. She said, I was on the poop deck. <laughs> she was in the loo. But she hadn't told us that she was going. We still laugh about that. She said she was on the poop deck. When you find something that you've lost, again, whether car keys, a purse, whatever, it brings tremendous relief. And you can finally exhale the idea of losing something. Now, I'll, with that, take and think about a time that maybe you were lost. Have you ever taken a wrong turn? Have you ever been lost? I mean, yeah, no? Am I the only one? Yeah. I mean, being lost at first, being lost can be fun. Sometimes if we go to a new city where you don't have maybe an agenda and it's just fun, oh, everything you come upon is fun. But if you've ever gone down that wrong street and it's super dodge and it can be frightening, danger can set in. You can feel we had that happen to us uh, not that long ago. We did a visit to New York City and we ended up on the subway missing our stop. And when we got off, we realized we, we were not in Kansas anymore. It was very, very dangerous. And being lost is a, a terrible feeling. When it starts to set in the reality, especially if you're miles from home, or you don't know where you are or how you'll get home, that panic and that thing can be uh, overwhelming. But one thing, if you're lost, it's a good thing to know that someone's looking for you. In fact, they say if you're going somewhere, going a hill walking or something, let somebody know where you're going so that you're not alone are going, you know, they know where you are, especially if you don't check in at a certain time. 
We're looking today, we're going to be looking at, if you do have your Bible, your tablet, your phone, however you want to follow along, it will be on the screen as well. We're going to be looking at the story of the lost coin in Luke chapter 15. We only have a few verses we're going to look at today. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Jesus is going to, in this whole passage, he tells three parables, and he's telling this to the religious leaders. So at this time, the religious leaders were beginning to be angry because the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him speak. So he tells them three similar parables with these kind of points. Something is lost, something is found, and there's rejoicing involved. In the first parable, he talks about one sheep that goes missing, one in a hundred Here, what we're looking at today, Jesus tells a parable about a lost coin. And this lost coin, it's not just a coin in your pocket. This would have been like bridal jewelry that women wore on their head. And 10 of them would have been there. It'd be the equivalent today of a wedding ring. So I just wanted to to, uh, illustrate the importance of her losing this coin. It was equivalent of her like losing a wedding ring. So the religious leaders here, he's telling them a story about things that are lost The religious leaders were not interested in lost people. They couldn't be bothered with the lost. And I just want to say as a warning, if we're not careful, we too can be not bothered with the lost. We always have to search our hearts. So verse 8, and it will be on the screen. Jesus says, Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp, And sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. Again, he's addressing the religious leaders and he's showing them this example by this parable. And he's using this story to tell a moral truth. So if the shepherd that we were looking at in the parable before this was concerned and interested in one in a hundred, now he brings it even closer and says, now we're going to look at one in ten. He references here any woman. He's not just saying certain women. It's not like some women would not care about losing this. Some woman would. He said, any woman, anyone that would lose something of this value would search for it. He's saying that anybody who lost something valuable, they wouldn't just neglect the matter, but that everyone, all of us included, would search for it. She did not just count the coin as lost and get on with her day. It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, no bother. I'm just going to continue about my day. She diligently searched for it. The lost coin caused her to take immediate action until it was found. In the same way, God is searching for lost people and is purposeful in His searching. People are tremendously valuable to God. He doesn't want one lost. And in 2 Peter 3.9, the second half of that verse says that not desiring, this is God speaking, that any should perish but that all should turn to repentance. Now in the story, Jesus is telling the sheep that was lost was lost to its own foolishness. It just kept eating too long or it wandered off from the rest of the sheep. 
But here the coin was lost, lost because of carelessness. But both had tremendous value to the owners. In the same way that they both searched diligently for their items, God searches out the lost sinner. Whatever the reason that they were lost, they needed someone searching for them to be found. All of us are lost without God. And it's good and comforting to know that He was looking for us. The woman in this parable is searching for her coin. And here's like the method of what she did. It says she first brought light. Then she swept and cleaned the house. So she had a method along with what she was doing. All along, she was searching for the coin carefully and with deliberate intent. Note that she kept looking until she found it. She didn't just move the sofa. Oh, it's not there. Okay. It says she kept looking until she found it. This is how the church, the capital C, God's church, led by the Holy Spirit, should search for lost souls. First, they shine the light of God's Word, illuminating a dark world and a dark heart. Then, we have to take action. I saw this uh, picture. It was a guy, he had a shovel, and he was leaning against it, and he was praying for God to to dig the hole. (laughs) And it's like, we have to take action. We have to do something like a farmer that has to get the field ready to sow it. He has to turn the soil over. There's action that's involved. She didn't just light the light and think that this, maybe her ring was, or coin was glow in the dark, but she didn't just do that. It says she swept the house and looked diligently for it. Then searching carefully, she ceased all other things to stop and search for her lost coin. It took priority over everything else. This became the most important thing in her day right now. So maybe when she woke up, she didn't think she was going to be cleaning her house. Maybe the tidy was on five days from now. But this became the most important thing because we don't know why, but she couldn't put it off. I mean, maybe someone else was, maybe the decorators are coming in. Maybe they were coming in and she didn't want them to find her lost coin. So it became her priority and she stopped everything else that she may have been doing until she found this coin. There's this quote that's going to be on from George Morrison. One of the first things to arrest us powerfully is the worth of single souls. It was one sheep that the shepherd went to find. It was for one coin the woman searched the house. Sometimes we can think in terms of multitudes. Maybe some people would say, I'm not like a Billy Graham, and I can't stand in a stadium, and I can't, you know, I'm not an evangelist. But to God, one soul matters. And our influence, actually, we have most of our conversations with people are ones and twos, maybe fours and fives. Not many of us address multitudes. God values one soul. And he uses this parable to show the religious leaders that God is searching for the lost because they didn't care about the lost. And then lastly in this, it says rejoice with me. Her search pays off and turns into a celebration, finding her coin. And it becomes everybody's party. She didn't just find it and just, okay, and put it in her pocket. She invites her friends, her neighbors, and she's like, we're having a party tonight. Maybe we'll have to socially distance and wear a mask if it was today, but she's having a party in her house. And it says they celebrate together. And so it is with us. As one sinner repents, 
The celebration is both ours and heaven's. When the coin was found, the woman was ecstatic. In the same way, God rejoices when sinners repent. In contrast to the religious leaders who complained when the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. And it's like a thing where we have to search our hearts. If God is looking for the lost, and that's what He was doing, that's what we need to be doing. And Jesus, when He spoke, people were drawn to what He was saying. And the religious leaders were the ones that were bothered. Not Jesus. So we may not often think of God as rejoicing, but in this account, it tells us that He does. And in what circumstances? How many of you may never thought of that or pictured that God rejoices? Maybe you have this picture of God, this big angry God who's so stern and he's not ever about any foolishness. But this says that he rejoices in heaven. And here's a couple verses will be on the screen. In Isaiah 62.5, it says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, we actually sang about that this morning, or this afternoon, but will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What a beautiful picture of God that He celebrates and He sings and rejoices over us. According to William Barclay, many of the religious people in Jesus' day, they believed differently and this was with a saying that they had in the religious community. They thought there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. So they lived with this idea that they're going to get what they deserve. They're bad. They're sinners. We're religious. We're holy. And that God rejoices when a sinner is obliterated. But Jesus here turns that idea on its head. And he says that there's joy in heaven over a sinner that repents. It says that God, I, I said earlier, wants none to perish. God doesn't want no one to perish. In Luke 19.10, Jesus is telling this to Zacchaeus. And it'll be on the screen, but it's, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. This was Jesus' focus and should be ours too. Seeking and saving the lost. Friends, as a church, we always need to stay outward focused and searching for the lost and being like Jesus in our community. And sometimes we can just become inward focused and we just, you know, turn and, and nurture each other. But we need to be looking for the lost. Jesus says, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. Repentance. And repentance isn't just saying you're sorry. Repentance is, is physically, like literally turning 180 degrees. If you were doing this, it's turning and completely doing the opposite. Repentance is important for lost people. There has to be a change in the mind for the better. Heartily amending our ways with abhorrence of past sins. We desperately need repentance in our hearts. It's much more than just saying sorry. God searches our hearts and knows all things. He knows we always can make those, those promises to God. If you get me out of this jam, if you get me out of this mess, I'll follow you all the days of my life. And then things turn around. But repentance is where our heart is actually changed. Our mind is actually changed. And we begin to abhor and hate the things that we once did. 
So just as a recap, there's a pattern in these parables today. The main character possesses something valuable and does not want to lose it. So we have in the first parable, it's about a shepherd with sheep. The second parable is a woman and her coin. And then the third parable, if you would read on, which I would encourage you to finish off chapter 15, he tells a story about a lost son, which we would know as the prodigal son. Another pattern is the main character rejoices in finding the lost thing, but does not rejoice alone. It says there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents, so they don't rejoice alone. The main character in this story that Jesus is illustrating is God, expressing care in either the looking or the handling of that which was lost. And lastly, each thing that was lost has a personal value, not just a monetary value. So it wasn't just the money that was involved in the sheep or the coin, but they were personally valuable to each person. Shepherds care for their sheep. Women cherish their bridal jewelry. And the last parable is a father loves his son. We always want to do outward-focused things to be a blessing to our community. So that's one of like our, our um, main objectives as Haddington Elam Church. We want to seek and save the lost. And it's very interesting. I'll, I'll tell you a story real quick. I was meeting that friend I was telling you at Starbucks, which I maybe still checked in there. But I was having coffee with him, and I was, I was just talking with him, telling him this story that I had heard. And I'll share it with you. It's not, not a long story. <laughs> this guy was telling a story. He was dying and he was at his doctor's and he was afraid to die so he said doctor he says what what awaits me on the other side and the doctor said sir I can tell you I honestly don't know and he said but aren't aren't you a Christian and the doctor said I am a Christian but I can honestly say I don't know what awaits on the other side of the door and at that moment they begin to hear scratching at the door so the doctor went over to the door and he opened the door and in came his dog. And he said, he said, sir, my dog has never been in this room before. He didn't know what was behind this door. But as he came in, all he knew was that his master was there. And he said, sir, I don't know what waits on the other side, but all I know is that my master is there. And this, I'm telling my friend this story and this woman comes up to us in Starbucks. And she's like, are, are you guys human beings? Are, are you real? Are you angels? So we're like, she said, I live abroad. She says, I'm in town because my mom died. She goes, what you just said, she goes, I did not mean to overhear. She goes, I could have been in the rain. She goes, I had five minutes. She goes, I thought I'd grab a coffee and come sit in here in Starbucks. She goes, I heard what you said, and I want you to know what a comfort your words were to me. No idea, as, as we were just talking, God can do so much more. As we just, like that, I was just sharing with a friend this story. But God was doing something and used it to bring comfort to this woman. We need to be seeking and saving the lost. You know, Scotland has, when we first came, we've been here now about 10 years. When we first came, it was like 95% uh, did not associate or go to any church attended any church regularly. So like 97, 95, 97% of people who don't go to church regularly have no relationship with God. 
In fact, it has actually been classified as an unreached people group because there's just so many lost people. We need to be reaching out and seeking and saving the lost because the story that we have, the testimony of what God has done in our lives, like telling that story in Starbucks, somebody may hear that. God says, let your good works be seen before men that they'll give glory and praise to your Father in heaven. So I don't know how God may use us, but I want us to always be seeking and saving. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.